I was hoping you'd do something funny so I could keep it in the clip. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> oh, man. Get you All going. right, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 013, How Parents Can Support Responsible and Ethical Use of ChatGPT and AI Chatbots. How's it going, Alex? I'm good. This is a good subject again. I think it's important. There's a lot of talk about AI and in school and with students, so timely subject, I think. Yeah, you were just saying that you saw something on the news about the the application of this or the integration of of AI into schools. So uh, I think it'll be really important to get parents specifically uh, ramped up on how to utilize this. Yeah, I think it's important as well because one of the things with with um, younger children and students is that schools are kind of tied where they can't implement ChatGPT and, and really start getting students to use it because there's federal laws against um, using software for minors and states have laws and schools can't adopt new software unless the, the entire class um, has parental approval. So there's a lot of roadblocks and a lot of hurdles to implementing this. So I think it's important to get parents on board so that if they do learn things in school, that the parents can support the children and learn with them and help them where the school yeah. can't maybe do it yet. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as parents, our responsibility is to teach them how to utilize technology responsibly and ethically. And so we hammer on that over and over and over. And I think we'll continue to hammer on that. Uh, it'll be an important integration of the utilization of the technology. And, you know, we've been receiving several requests and questions about this topic. So in this episode, we'll be illuminating the importance of uh, responsible AI use, especially when it comes to our, our kids and our children. So we're going to be navigating through the risks and opportunities associated with the AI, while also helping everybody to establish a strong support framework for our kids. It's just like when we utilize our phones and texts and social media, right? Like there needs to be oversight and instruction on how to utilize these technologies responsibly. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely right. I think um, if you, you're helping the children and you're monitoring what they're doing, then they have um, they get a good sense of how to use it. And, you know, you can follow along and make sure they're using it correctly. And I think together as a team, as a family, you, everybody learns. Yep. And so sure, this, yeah. well, I was just say this is this is new. So everybody's learning. Uh, so it's a good opportunity to start from from the base and, and learn as you you grow with it. Yeah, I love that you said that. It's super exciting. Like this is the biggest technological advancement of our generation. The 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 internet was phenomenal and world-changing. This is the new internet. This is the new world-changing technology. And what's crazy is with in IT, if you're in IT, IT, you know, a, a year is like 10 years in real life. Things just change so quickly. And with this, it's, I mean, every week there's huge advancements. So a year from now or two years from now, I can't even imagine what's going to be possible. Yep. Yep. And, and more opportunity, more possibility, more problems. So I think we need to watch out for that. Right. So in this, in this episode, we'll be highlighting why it's imperative for the younger generations to engage with AI right? Like ChatGPT, ethically and responsibly. And, and not just that, we'll also throw a light on the risks such as misinformation, 
privacy concerns, ethical dilemmas, as well as the invaluable opportunities that come along with AI and the educational support to skills, um, or I'm sorry, educational support that to uh, development and uh, the social interactions. And most importantly, as we always say, fostering passionate curiosity. Yes, exactly. Yep. All right, well, let's jump into it. So the importance of responsible AI use. What, from your perspective, is the most important thing from a responsibility perspective to teach our kids? Well, I think it's important to teach them, one, that uh, don't blindly rely on whatever you receive back from, from AI, from ChatGPT. You always have to fact check um, and, and don't use it as a shortcut to yep. do your homework or do your assignment. If you're going to use it, I think that's fine. I think that's going to be kind of the norm where using it and, and having it assist you is going to be acceptable. But, you know, writing a whole paper and handing it in as if you did it um, is, is not good. I don't think it's going to ever be good. So I think you need to use it to research, use it to help you learn, use it to, you know, maybe adjust or modify areas where you're stuck and you don't know what to write or how to write it. Um, but definitely don't rely on it and don't try to pass it off. I think that's a big pass it off as your own. That's that's a you know a big point that needs to be taught to the children. Yep, absolutely. So and, and the primary thing here is I think parents really need to to dive in deeper. Um, this isn't one of those things where you can kind of stick your head in the sand. They need to come up for air, really digest what's happening with this technology and the capabilities so that they can educate their kids on how to use this responsibly. Now, I, I do want to say this, we're getting so many requests for information and education. We've got questions about what's going on from various different parents. So what we're doing here today, and I should have said this earlier, is, is this will be our last podcast for a little while until we can build out a curriculum and uh, the support materials for all of these parents that that are coming at us. So it'll probably be a couple months, everybody. We will be back, but and, and we'll have uh, additional materials to support parents in educating their kids. Yeah, and I think what's driving that is, um, we, you know, we've always had the intention of creating a course, taking our, our real life experience in our pilot program right now and, and turning it into an online course to help children learn. And the more we talk about it, with people, the big response is, I want my my kids to learn this and I need to learn it with them. So I think it's it's turned in where we wanted the children to learn it. Uh, I think it's kind of a, a partnership where the parents and the children need to learn it so that they can they can grow together and 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 uh, learn this new technology because like it's not going away. Yep. It's gonna be in every aspect of our lives every day. I hundred percent agree. So let's let's dive further into the risk then. So misinformation. You, you kind of touched upon that, right? The the hallucinations that come out of it, because ChatGPT and chatbots, AI, they they got the heart of the puppy. They just want to make you happy, even if that means lying to you, right? Um, so we've got to watch out for that. The privacy concerns. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what what does that mean when we've got privacy concerns with um, public chatbots like what we have? Just to go back for one second, because this just happened last night. So there was a new announcement where. Um, uh, Bing, Microsoft Bing was added back to chat GPT because it was kind of on, uh, it was taken out because it was going past password, it was going through password protected websites and taking information. So it was on and I was using it and just to see if it was getting real time information. And I said, you know, what happened today? And it correctly gave me what happened today 
I think I asked about the um, the government shutdown. It gave me the right information, but it gave it to me as the date of yesterday or the day before. So it gave me a great thing and I was reading it and it was right information because I looked it up, but the date was wrong. Um, and then I asked it about, you know, the blowout um, loss for the Broncos. And I said, what are the, what are the uh, worst NFL losses in history? And it gave me all kinds of things. I think I, maybe a quarter of it was right. So it was accessing the internet and still hallucinating. So I think more than ever, it's, it's getting better at presenting information as if it's correct and it sounds really good and looks really good, but definitely um, you, you've got to read it. You've got to double check it, especially the facts. And again, don't blindly, like kids need to learn and every, we all do, don't blindly accept whatever it is. Don't copy and paste it, stick it in a document or an email or you know, a work project. You know, read it, make sure it's right. And if something doesn't seem right, it probably isn't. So you should, you know, Google it. Yep. It, and and we will get to the private concerns, but every time you talk about something, I get so excited because something relative had happened in, in my life as well, right? So I was talking to a friend of mine who had tweeted uh, about how those mistakes are gold. Like when we learn from our mistakes and knowing that those mistakes are going to happen, they force objectivity. They force us to have this introspection to be able to say, is this right? Is this right? I have no idea if this is right. I need to do a little bit more back channel research on this. And it's exactly what we should be doing. It should be giving you passionate curiosity in such a way that you've got more questions than answers and you go find those answers yourself. So I'm really excited about that part. And I think the misinformation, knowing that it's there, it's a, it's a plus. Yeah, exactly. You just look at it as a know what's it, it happens, uh, know what to look for, and it, it, you know it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing if you you know what to look for and you know how to deal with it. Yep, yep. And it also highlights the fact that those people with uh, professional expertise, you don't have to worry about them taking your job. You still need to know those expertise. You need to have that experience and drive that 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 uh, those questions. Um, you're the ones that are going to be able to find or, or spot the mistakes as they show up. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Okay. So I skipped, I skipped back a little bit. So privacy concerns, I think, um, well, for students, it's, it's a big deal. I think one of the roadblocks to implementing the use of chat GPT in schools. So, um, but open AI has in their terms and conditions, nobody under 18 can use chat GPT without parental uh, consent. And that's difficult to get in school. There's some state privacy concerns. There's obviously medical concerns with HIPAA. So you don't wanna load up any of your private health in- health information because it's not available. It's not gonna be published on a website, but is there's, there's not a lot of security. OpenAI has access to it. Nobody really knows exactly what they're doing. And a lot of the information, um, not all of it, but a lot of it, that, that's entered into ChatGPT is used in their uh, their training of the language model. So anything that is private or sensitive or you know confidential or proprietary, you should always be careful about uploading that. So that's definitely an issue on the, uh, for anybody any user. And then for children, that's one of the issues with with uh, introducing ChatGPT and AI into school because all of these tools um, they're all powered by one of the big companies. So if they're powered by OpenAI, just because you, you have another company that's selling the software, it's powered by OpenAI. So those terms and conditions apply. So there's, there's a lot of 
difficulties with or a lot of challenges with with uh, privacy and and minors. Yep, I would go a step further. If you have anything that is proprietary or or private, don't put it in there. Redact it. Do whatever you need to do. If you wouldn't share it with your kid's teacher, then you shouldn't put it into the chatbot. So um, that that being said, I mean they are developing things like uh, the enterprise level where it is private and it's not going to be utilized for training, but the majority of us don't have access to that, right? So yeah. the tools that we instruct on or provide uh, advice on uh, are all the, the public platforms. So as far as we're concerned, don't put that, that private information in there. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So, so some of the other risks that are associated with I, and it's interesting, I don't know why this point is in there, but I have it as using it like Google. Uh, not that it's a risk, right? But it's not the right way to use it. Do you want to chat about like how, wait, why is it bad to use it like Google one? And then what would you suggest uh, the alternative use? I don't think it's bad using it like Google. I just don't, if you use it like Google, which very many people do, you're just not getting the full benefit of AI and what it can do and how it can provide information or help you. So Google, is a search engine you ask it a question and it's going to give you a, a list of websites that have that information now there's some ai built into it so if you have that turned on it'll give you kind of a summary uh an answer at the very top of the page but it, it, it's not a two-way conversation that you can have you can't ask for more information and it does doesn't typically give you a specific response to your your question chat gpt and and claude and the other um ai chatbots you, if you set it up and give it context, then you can ask it a question. It takes that that context that you entered, or the context from you know previous conversations that you had in in the in that conversation that's set up in in ChatGPT, and then uses that context with the information from the internet, and then gives you a response. And then from that, you can deep deep dive into it. So it can give you five suggestions. You can pick one of the suggestions to explore more and get more details, and that leads to more and more questions and, and more responses. And I think it's interesting. I, I noticed I was doing some um, research on, on Bing, that introduction and, and different plugins to see which one is better. And I'm seeing a lot more now where you ask a question, it'll give you an answer, and then it'll pose three questions that hmm. will help you uh, learn more about the subject or the, or the response that you got. So it's, it's almost I mean, uh, equivalent to, but it's like talking to a human. You ask a question, you get a response that leads to another question, and you're just going back and forth to learn more about each other when you're talking to humans or, um, or you know, learn more about the subject, but it's not just always asking questions and getting back an answer and just, that's it. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, one more risk that I wanted to kind of talk about is the the misuse of AI. So one, there's bias that is implicitly built into the system right? Humans have implicit biases as well. The training, the data, the information that that um, the, the systems were uh, trained on had bias in the information. So that's something to watch out for. But I also would say that if you've got good intentions, you will get good results uh, that are responsible and ethical. If you have bad intentions, now we should talk about that. Like if you've got bad intentions and, and want to use this, there is no guardrails there, right? There are some, but you can 
you can bypass a lot of it and, and get responses that you probably shouldn't. But yeah, there are some guide rails, but they're not really well defined and, and, and absolutely prevent you from getting the answer that you want. Yeah. Yep. And that's good to know that there are some guardrails. And it's also better to know as parents, they might try to misuse it. So I think it's having that conversation and we'll kind of get to having those open channels of communication with your kids uh, like you do with any other technology that is um, that's out there and available to our kids. But that's all the bad stuff. Let's talk about the good things. What are the opportunities with AI that that are, are uh, plentiful for not just parents, but for kids and their education? I, well, I think one of the biggest biggest um, opportunities or benefits is that anybody, regardless of your um, your financial abilities, any student can have a tutor in any subject available twenty four seven. I think that's a huge thing. Um, so if you have a if your child has difficulty in a subject and you know you can't you don't have the means to get a tutor, or you do even if you do have a tutor, that tutor is not going to be with you every day. Uh, or with the student every day. So you can set up or use uh, ChatGPT to be a tutor in whatever subject, at whatever level, uh, and it can grow with you. You can start prompting it differently to you know, go from third grade to fourth grade and then go to fifth grade. And if you have um, a student that is dyslexic, you can prompt it to, to tutor and, and provide assistance with reading for a dyslex dyslexic child that's in third grade. So it'll it'll respond at that level. And then if things improve or when they improve, it'll change and you change the level to fourth grade and then fifth grade and so that it grows with you and it's always there. I think that's a huge benefit for students and children. Absolutely, absolutely. And parents and parents, you can build out an advisor for parents to deal with our teenage kids, our preteens and our teenagers that are about to um, infest our households. So. <laughs> We've done some some work like that for for parents or for adults to not tutors but um, advisors or consultants to help them, yep, coaches to help them with family issues and and learning issues that they were having difficulty with their their children. So it, it can work at many different levels, which is amazing. Yep, I agree, and I like what you talked about how this becomes an equalizer. So socially, I think this does become the great equalizer, the opportunity and the access to information and education that is tailored to individuals is not just for those folks that have means. Like anybody that has access to this now has that ability to have that sort of level of tailored education. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out over the years and, and uh, what the difference is with, with children and, the, and their learning. Because tutors yep. obviously make a big difference for for people that use them. Um, so I, I think this will have a huge effect on on learning. Yeah, and there's this weird there's a weird inflection point when I was going through this, and we use this every day uh, on multiple points in multiple different situations. But there was this inflection point for me where the absorption of the education or material or information it, it kind of became like that dude from uh, Big Hero Six. Betamax, like you could just put in these things and you're like, blah, 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 blah. all of a sudden you're like, you know, so much. And it was just like, it was, it was really interesting when that happened. So I think not that we have to talk about this, but there should be a sociological study about like the effects of passionate curiosity and the access to information in this brand new way. Like this has never been able, we, we haven't been able to do this before. 
Well, something new that's coming out, and it's just starting to roll out, um, and it's only for people that have the paid pro accounts, but there's a huge update with OpenAI, and it's adding picture recognition and also um, voice. And the voices are, are no longer computerized voices that sound like a robot. These voices are, are really good to the point where the um, OpenAI and Meta Facebook has the technology or, or the it's in place now where they can take a two second snip of a voice, your voice or someone else's voice, replicate it, and then you can have conversations with that sound like you know, a celebrity or someone else. So they're not releasing that because it's so dangerous, but the voices that are out now, you can and you can pick them in any language and, and male, female, different accents, uh, different styles of, of communication. So what's really neat, in addition to having tutors with this, you can also set up, so if you, uh, like a coach or, you know, so if you want to do like, instead of flashcards, you could have ChatGPT ask you questions and then you can respond to it and it's going to respond back to you in a, in a voice. Uh, you could do it for like a debating coach if you're in debating. So all these these things where you would need somebody to help you do it, you can do it on your own, you can do whatever you want, and you can change the level just with one prompt. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting. It'd be fun to, to deal with, to play with. Oh, absolutely. And that modality of interaction is actually going to be a forcing function for people to utilize ChatGPT correctly because it's no longer a one-way Googling question. It becomes an interaction. And it's interesting you brought that up because um, I was teaching my mom how to use this as well. And uh, and she was she was like, how do I use this? Is it is it like Google? Literal question. Is this like Google? I was like, no, no. Mom, you need to treat this like you're talking to me. Like you've got a question. I respond. You'll have more questions from that response. And it becomes, it becomes this chain prompting. And, and it's... Um, the, the voices, I think, will will be that forcing function then to really create the environment for that back and forth interaction. Yes. Yeah. And I think what, what going back uh, to the oversight, I think one of the important things that parents need to realize, um, and, and that's why I think it's important for them to learn with their children about AI and, and tools like ChatGPT, is that Google, if you ask it a question, it's gonna be gonna give you a response. And there's a lot of information there, but you kind of have to know what you're asking about or what you want to ask um, or stumble upon it. But with with um, AI, it has access to basically all the information on the internet and it's just so easy to get it. And then because it's interactive, it gives you a lot more information and, and can ask you questions and questions you might your child might not have thought about and say, oh yeah, give me more information about that and lead down you know, a different path that might not be so good. So I think it's important to children need to understand those risks and concerns and parents need to be able to know that they're there, that it's not, um, it, 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 it's a lot more powerful than Google. So there's a lot more that can go wrong and a lot, a lot more uh, information that you may not want them to have access to. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and uh, you know, one of the, the, the last limitations we'll talk about, and then I think we should probably talk about how to get parents set up is, um, the little information about how to use this properly. And I think that's really what prompted you and I to, to do what we do is to disperse this information, right? So we collate it for, for folks, but um, that's becoming a huge limitation. It's like bottlenecking the adoption of this technology right now. So um, kudos to you, kudos to us for actually putting all of this information together. You can't see me, but get two thumbs up now. <laughs> 
Okay, before we run out of time, I think the more important thing uh, for parents is to to really get them set up. So do you want to kind of just walk through a step-by-step -step of, of what that looks like? Yes, with um, ChatGPT or some of the other ones that are out there, it's you get an account and you have one account and all the conversations are there for you. Um, if your child was going to get on it, they'd have to have a separate account or use your account. So it's difficult to manage in a collaborative way. It's different, difficult to monitor maybe what they're doing. Um, so there are these kind of wrapper, quote unquote, um, programs. And what it is, is basically it's all run by ChatGPT. And it's just kind of, it almost even looks like you're in ChatGPT, but it's a collaborative environment. So you can set up different users. So each member of your family can have a user access. Then they also get um, a folder that they can work in. And then you can share folders. So mom can have a, fol can have a folder, dad can have a folder. You can have a, um, the son can have a folder. Then you have a, um, a family folder and that family folder could be shared and you can direct your child to say, listen, whenever you're gonna do something, do your work in, in that folder, save all your conversations there so that everybody can monitor what's going on. And you can see the prompts, see the responses, make sure that everybody's on the right track. But also as you learn more about it, you can say, hey, you know what, this is how you, you went about this, uh, this prompt and, and how you interacted with this conversation. Why don't you try to do it this way? or you didn't get the answer you want, so you have to ask it in a different way, and here's how you could do that. So you could teach them um, as you learn more. Yep, absolutely. And you're gonna have to, add, currently, you're gonna have to treat this like their their cell phone. So they do have um, the ability to to text, right, on, your, on their cell phones, and parents have the responsibility to check those texts. It's the same thing here, check the prompts, of your kids, just let them know, like, this is a uh, uh, technology that is super powerful and, and at times might be uh, dangerous. So it's something that the parents should be able to do. Now, that being said, um, Alex is doing the good work. He's fighting the good fight. He's talking to some of these developers to try and get admin abilities within these wrapper platforms so that um, we can disable the private folders, but that's not possible right now. So just one of those limitations that the parents should be aware of. Was actually talking to the founder of one of the uh, the rappers that we use, Magi, and um, they have something in the works right now, and and so it'll give a lot more user control, and also um, some admin features on the folders, and then also give you the ability, what he suggested, to delete the or, or restrict access to the private folder or the personal folder, so that if you have a if your child has access to this and is a user it kind of forces them to use that shared folder so you can monitor what's going on and they don't have a private one where they could do things and then delete the conversations and you don't know what's going on. So same idea as having an app on, on your child's phone that monitors text messages and internet usage and things like that. Or there's other ones that kind of just look out for certain types of activity or certain words. And then if those words pop up on the phone, you get a, an email or a notification. So along the same lines. Um, so I think a tool like that will be really good for families and that have younger children. And I, I think yep. it's also good, like you said, to, if you have an open discussion with them, tell them about the technology, tell them what it can do, the negative things that can happen and, and that there's a lot of information that, you know, they shouldn't, shouldn't have access to, even though that they do. And if they're aware of that and that you're monitoring it and, you know, you have a uh, ongoing dialogue, it's a great tool just like yeah. your cell phone or Absolutely. having a laptop with internet access. Well, and it, it's going to be a fun journey because they're going to be doing it together. Uh, working with our kids has been 
awesome. It's been phenomenal because we're coming across things that are unknown because it's brand new technology. And at the same time, we've got that parental intuition, which we should all listen to when we're raising our kids, when we're coming across these different uh, modalities, again, of, of working and questioning and, and looking at that pattern of questions. Are these open-ended questions? Are they strategic questions, right? Like these are really good things, not only for ourselves as parents, but to be able to teach our kids at such a young age is an incredible opportunity. You know what I think is, is really cool, and it, it kind of, every time it happens when we're teaching our kids about this, um, we always afterwards say, that's so amazing. Did you see that? I think right now, nothing really kind of surprises kids or gets them super excited when they're learning about things because they have access to so much information. But with ChatGPT and how we're teaching the children to use it, when they when they learn how to do something uh, correctly or you know more efficiently, and we show them how to prompt, you should see the responses that come out. They get so excited and so, like the curiosity level spikes up. They get excited. They want to keep learning more and they want to use it more. So when you, you get involved with this with your children, you'll see when they start using it, they use it correctly. Um, it, it's amazing. Like it, it just, you know, just feels good. Yeah. And it's not just with the kids. I mean, we've seen this with a lot of the folks that we've worked with as well, right? Like that that shock and awe that happens in that pause where they're trying to process how phenomenally powerful this is. Like it doesn't just happen with our kids, like that, that, that pause. And it always happens just like, oh my God, right? And it's funny because it's always kind of the same story is that people, I mean, this is how it was with me when I first started. And uh, how it led me down to learning a lot more is you kind of use it like Google and you ask it a question, you get a response. And then more often than not, you look at it and say, this is terrible. Like this is, doesn't sound good. Doesn't look good. Nothing's good about this. So you try it a little bit more and you, you keep getting kind of the same results. You're like, this is, this is it's terrible. I want to go back to Google. So um, yeah, definitely. If you use it right, it, you get uh, a lot better results. and. Yep. Holy cow. Yeah. And I would suggest people, we did do a, a, a specific podcast on rappers and how to, to do that. We actually gave some video uh, materials or support for that. So um, if you are interested in that, just look at the the previous episode. I know I'll give additional information to set that up. Um, the, the last thing I'll say is that we should establish those guidelines uh, with our kids. So part of that open communication is setting those guidelines. Alex, you want to walk through some of those suggested guidelines. Okay, so I think, again, like the other technology that the uh, children have access to, computers and cell phones and everything else, it's important to set guidelines on, on using ChatGPT and the other AI tools. So definitely setting limits. Um, I think everybody, adults included, can go down a rabbit hole. You start doing things and there's just so it's so interesting and there's so much inner activity where it just keeps prompting questions and, and going back and forth, you could spend hours on it and um, that might not be what you want to do with your children. So setting limits up front um, is important, I think. And then just having discussions with them about what is appropriate usage and what is inappropriate usage. So things or areas or topics they shouldn't be asking about or exploring. Um, and also, I think it's important to have a discussion about how they prompt in um, chat GPT so that, you know, the learning to, you know, be to um, communicating properly and not using 
inappropriate terms maybe in, in that because children might feel that, hey, there's nobody, nobody watching, I can say whatever I want. And there are some guidelines. So with ChatGPT, if you, if you use um, inappropriate language, it'll come back and say that it can't respond to that or it's not appropriate to communicate like that, but it doesn't always work. So it's important to bring those, those, um, those topics up. Yeah. Yeah, and look for their thought process. It's really about that. And I think in the future, um, and I'll give you a prime example of this, is if we're putting together a scholarship application question, um, I think what I'm considering now is to say, I want to see your prompts. I want to see the thought process of the, the applicants to these scholarships um, for, for different foundations, uh, not specifically for our company. But that said, it is now going to be more about the thought process and uh, how the strategic thinking is showing up. And we talked about this before I've read and then um, seen in groups where with teachers in education, where that's kind of, I think the direction um, schools are going to go into is they can't stop the use of it. They know everybody's going to use it. If you use it completely to generate a paper and copy and paste it into your assignment, and they're considering that plagiarism or cheating. Um, the, the road that people seem to be going down is exactly that. We know you're going to use AI. We want to see what your prompts are. We want to see what the responses are and how you interact. And then that way they can see the whole conversation or the, the student, or if you're a parent, you can see the whole conversation, see how it started, how it ended up and how it got, to, you know, how your child got to that point. And then one that's, you know, safety measure, you can make sure that things are going, they're using the technology appropriately, but then also it's a learning point where um, for a parent, you can help them explore and maybe prompt differently to get better results and then teachers can use that again to see how the student is thinking how they came up with their um, their assignment or their paper and then if they see things that can be improved on they can have that discussion with the student go back and forth so it's i think it adds a whole different level of uh, communication in learning yep and and avenues of education so to recap that if it's answering for you bad if it's answering with you, that's great. I think it'll support that I, education. I like that. That's good. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So to wrap up, I know we could, again, we, we're running over. Um, just to wrap up, though, for uh, folks, this will be our last episode for a bit, just so we can build out additional support materials for those parents that are currently asking for help with kids and uh, uh, other folks. And uh, just to wrap up the episode, it, this really just covered the opportunities and limitations of it and then how to set up the, the platform for parents to work with their kids on implementing AI into their educational journey. Uh, anything else you'd like to add there, Alex? Yeah, those those platforms are, are really helpful. We use them with uh, with our children, with the um, the online or the academy that we're the academy work that we're doing. Uh, we also use it in business as a communication point. So they're re they're really great tools, and um, they may look a little complicated, but they're pretty easy once you get it. And, and usually, most of them are have a lot of helpful tips to get it set up. So you can set it up pretty quickly. So nice. I wouldn't let that be a a roadblock to using them. Yeah. And as a final sign off for now, I think I just want to extend my appreciation to all the parents that are willing to jump into this. I think uh, it is going to be an important thing for all of us to be able to do this properly together. So um, passionate curiosity as a team seems even better than doing it by yourself.
and it's great that that people are getting involved early. This is kind of like the ground floor, so it's just not even a year old. Uh, so it's great a great time to be getting into it and and learning with everybody. So nobody's being, you know, nobody's an expert at this really. Yeah. Oh my god, that just still blows my mind. We're not even a year old. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.